Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. So like I said, it's December. December is the time to go on holiday. It's the silly season. And December for me was growing up, was, uh, December was our family holiday time. We had timeshare at a place called Sun City. You might be familiar with it. You say woo, but let me explain something. The way timeshare works is you have like 10 to 15 years, I think, of accommodation at a particular place. You can only pretend that the value of the waves is real and exciting so many times as a teenager before you get bored. And we used to go on family holidays and became our December thing. Except this, um, this December, our family are coming over. We've got our wedding and our family, and we're all really excited. So we did our family holiday in July, I think. August, thanks, Mom. In August. And um, what happened was I was at the coast, and um, if an Indian person says at the coast, it's never Cape Town. And I was at the coast <laughs> at one of our campuses with my wife, and then my mom, dad, brother, and sister, they joined us, um, and we were in Belito. And we were on our family holiday, and there was one particular day, I don't want to embarrass my family member, dad. Now, my dad is, I think I might also have this trait. He has this belief that GPS doesn't know anything. Does anybody relate to that? Does anybody know somebody who's like that? She's sitting next to the person, look straight ahead. Don't look left, don't look right, straight ahead. And my dad said, you know what? We don't need the GPS. My brother and I are millennials, so we said, no, we do. We trust in ways in Jesus, wholeheartedly. <laughs> everybody who's a millennial said... And we put it in the GPS, and they said, it will take us 27 minutes to get from where we are to chat, to, to drop something off then to the, to the destination where we were going. 27 minutes. And we told my dad the route. I mean, my family member, I'm going to stand my dad's here. I'm going to stand this side. My family member the route. And he said, no, 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 you're wrong. I said, I'm not wrong. I'm trusting ways. And he said, no, 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 listen, these are my streets. Okay, this is, you laugh, look at how he's dressed. He speaks like that. He said, these are my streets. You don't know. Did you grow up here? And I said, you know I didn't grow up here, Dad. You can hear by my voice that I didn't grow up here, Dad. So the Bible says, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you. And I would like it to go well with me in life. So I said, you know what, Dad, we'll follow you. So we were in one car with my brother, my sister, my wife. Oh, I think my sister's in the other car. And we were following my dad. 45 minutes later, <laughs> we were stuck in traffic on a highway. Here's the thing about a highway is you can't get off a highway because it's one way and it's standstill traffic. But I was with my family and we were having fun and we were chatting and we were listening to music. Kanye West. It wasn't Jesus is king. <laughs> and it was good. But then we hit the 50-minute mark. And at the 50-minute mark, we turned into the street that we're supposed to be going down, and there was a protest that was happening. I myself have never been part of a protest, so I don't understand what protest protocol is, but the one thing I did notice was there were no other cars driving down this particular street. <laughs> and I figured we're probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what was fun and enjoyable in a moment, it was a family moment, 
to be honest, there was a little bit of fear and we were a little bit scared because there was the unknown that we were facing. There was the, the fear that, hey, this, this could be dangerous for us to be in this scenario. And I wonder how many people, as we went through life, we chose a path that we thought was right. And after delay and after some stuff that happened, even though we had the right people with us, we ended up in a place that was dangerous, maybe even deadly. That's why Solomon in writing, he says this in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. That's an interesting concept because he says there's a way that appears to be right. He doesn't say if you go the wrong way, it leads to death. Often when we think we're doing the right thing, it could lead us on a path that goes to the wrong place. And, what's, and, and when we ask ourselves, why is this the case? Well, let's try and learn from Solomon. You see who Solomon was, was a king of Israel. He wasn't just any king of Israel, he was David's son. And David's ministry was, be, or, or David's kingship was known by the fact that he had killed Goliath. Solomon was known for two things. He had wisdom from God, and he was one of the richest kings that ever lived. And he was one of the richest kings that ever lived, if not the richest, because of the wisdom they had received from God. They celebrated him for his wisdom and the fact that he wrote the temple. He had so much wisdom that he wrote a majority of Proverbs. You get the Proverbs of Solomon. He also wrote a book called um, Song of Solomon. He decided to name a book after himself, very humble. And another book called Ecclesiastes, and two of the Psalms were written by him. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is Solomon was a wise guy. And how he got his wisdom is interesting, is the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, what do you want? And this is what Solomon says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. It's interesting that when Solomon asks for wisdom, he says, Lord, help me tell the difference between good and evil. Perhaps good and bad isn't as easy as we think it is. And perhaps sometimes when we're doing things that are good, they're actually not for our benefit because good and bad, I think, is more complicated than we give it credit for. How do I know this? Because Solomon, even though he had the wisdom from God, he wrote Proverbs, he, he writes this, uh, I mean, we, we read about this, he writes the proverb that we read earlier. Did you know that at the so end of Solomon's life, he ends up turned away from God? God's angry with him because he had turned away from God, who had appeared to him twice. If Solomon can fall away from God and not discern between right and wrong, how much more so you and I as we go through this thing called life? And you know, Often, knowing what's right and wrong isn't the difficult part. It's doing what's right. In fact, that's why Paul says um, in the New Testament, he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I should do, no, sorry, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things that I should be doing, I don't do, in Romans 7, verse 15. And many of us can relate to this because it's very complicated. It's so complicated because it's almost as old as time itself. You see, the third chapter of the Bible gives, or the, third, yeah, the third chapter of the Bible gives us the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. So it's a story that involves a snake, a man, a woman, and a fruit. It wasn't an apple, by the way. Most people think it was an apple. It's not. The Bible says it's a fruit. It's probably a Samsung. <laughs> Sorry, Android. And we're going to take a look at Genesis 3. And before you switch off, because you know the story, you know the Bible says that God's word is living. And God's word's forever talking and constantly speaking. Perhaps God will speak to you if you keep an open heart. In fact, 
I'm going to read it from my Bible because it makes me feel more spiritual, but you can read it on the screen. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7, and it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but... God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, he says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that there was, it, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it and they knew that they were naked and they sewed together fig leaves and made themselves loin cloths that's an optimistic scripture for december and the title of your message is this don't get me wrong we're going to look at what adam and eve did wrong so that we can learn how to apply it in our own life so we don't make the same mistakes turn to the person next and say don't get me wrong Before we look at some points, can I just explain to you what the Garden of Eden is? When I heard Garden of Eden, I immediately pictured the garden in your backyard. Not your backyard, mine. I don't know what your garden looks like. But often our nearest point of reference would be the garden that we know. Or the, maybe even the botanical gardens. But you see, the garden was create, not created by God, but God planted the garden in Eden. The garden was big enough so that animals could live there, that fruit could grow there, and that rivers could flow through it. It wasn't a small garden. And what's more is the garden was planted by God, but he put Adam there to keep it and to work it. You see, the Garden of Eden is a picture of God and man working perfectly together to create something special and unique. Because when the, when the Garden of Eden was created and God and man worked together, the presence of God was able to walk through the garden. And in our lives, when we work together with God, when we create with God, it gives God's presence room to walk in our lives and do things in our life. You see, the Garden of Eden is vitally important. It was the closest thing to perfection until Jesus came to the earth. The other thing about Adam and Eve is they didn't have parents. They had God. They also didn't have any competition because it was just the two of them. In fact, they lived in near perfection. They didn't have to try and keep up with the Joneses because the birthday suit was in fashion. <laughs> Don't picture it. They didn't come from the, from the wrong end of the track. They lived in perfection. They didn't have a history. They didn't have dodgy family members. Perhaps their biggest question is, why on earth do I have a belly button? <laughs> you see, if Adam and Eve living in near perfection could mess up, how much more so you and I in a fallen world where we're bombarded day in and day out with things in life that are designed to distract us from God's purpose? So your first point is this, is we need to know what God says. We need to know what God says. You see, when Eve is challenged, what the serpent says is, what does God say? And we need to know that when we are challenged and when we are facing challenges in lives, do we know what God says? You see, that's why it's important to read God's word. It's not just a book. It's not just letters on a piece of paper. It's God's living word. In fact, it tells you not just the commandments of the Bible, but it tells you about God's nature and character. And we understand God's nature and character. We understand the commandments better. The commandments are there so that it may go well with us. And if it was to go well with us, it gives us a solid foundation and structure to face the challenges that life throws at us. 
So can I encourage you over December? It's a great time to take a break. Anybody need a break? It's a great time to pause, but don't take a pause from God's word or from God's presence. Keep coming to church. Keep staying plugged in because it puts something in our lives. Perhaps December is a great time to start a one-year Bible. You're like, yeah, but it doesn't say January. I know what's going to happen in Feb. People are laughing at people who tried the one-year Bible before. Why not get a head start so if you have to catch up, you're working ahead so that you, can have, you already have stuff in our lives. Get on a reading plan on you version. Find somewhere to get God's word in because it's vitally important. And we'll learn how to respond to challenges. Because the, because the, the serpent tempted Eve in, much way, in the same way that he tempts you and I. Because it's the same way that he tempted Jesus. Because when Jesus was in the wilderness after fasting for 40 years and 40 nights, the tempter comes to him and he asks him the question, doesn't the Bible say this? And he begins to twist and take scripture out of context. But Jesus responds and says, no, 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 it is written. Do you want to realize is perhaps the enemy knows the Bible better than we do? Because the enemy knew what God had said. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we know what's in the Bible because when we get challenged and when the enemy attacks us, we can say, no, 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 no. It is written that God is on my side. It is written that God is greater. It is written. But knowing God's word's not enough. Not that God's word isn't enough, but knowing it isn't enough. Because when the snake asks Eve about God's word or what does God say, do you know that she actually says, well, this is what it says? She knew what God said, but the enemy didn't attack what God said. He can't. He was attacking her convictions. You see, it's not about what God says. It's about why we believe what God says. And we have a responsibility not just to know what we believe, but to develop our convictions. Because when we have strong convictions, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. Is this helping anybody this evening? Point number two is this. Beware of snakes. I preached a message at youth called Beware of Snakes two weeks ago. But beware of snakes. We've got to ask ourselves in life, who are we listening to? Is it God and his word or is the serpent and people and politics and social media and this, that, and the next thing? We should never get too comfortable not listening to God's word. Instead, we should say, you know what? I need to make sure that I'm listening to the right things. And we should never get too comfortable with snakes. I'm going to say something, and please don't be offended. Often, snakes come in different shapes and forms. Often, they slide in, in a DM. As Claudia said, if you're born before the 80s, a DM is a direct message on the Instagram. Because apparently, it goes down in the DM. Snakes could look like work colleagues certain friends that we have in our life. Over December, we have family members coming over. Be careful that they don't turn out to be snakes. Not that they're bad people, but they could lead us astray because often I've made, oh, me, I, oh, me myself, I have made very, I've made some very poor decisions because I was with family members. What I did was I gave them a foothold in. And because they were family, I said, I didn't apply the same principles that I normally in our lives, we need to make sure that we are guarding and protecting ourselves. And we just make sure that we don't get comfortable with snakes. You know that some people have pet snakes? If you have a pet snake, no judgment. Let's not let one bad snake ruin snakes for the rest of us. 
And people keep pet snakes. And often people keep smaller snakes, but people like to be exotic. And they can't keep poisonous snakes, or they shouldn't keep poisonous snakes because they're poisonous. <laughs> so what people tend to do is they get snakes that are constrictors, like pythons and boa constrictors. But what ends up happening is no matter how long you've had that pet snake for, it gets to a point where it begins to, or it begins to size you up because it's in a snake's nature. Many people have had a pet snake and they'll go to the vet and they'll say, listen, doctor, my snake has stopped eating. Hasn't eaten for about a week. It keeps stretching itself out and just lying on the floor. And the vet will say to him, your snake is not sick. Your snake is preparing to eat you. How many of us have friends like that in our lives and people like that in our lives who are stretching themselves out and preparing something that we don't know? And it's better to identify that before it's too late. Like a, unlike a gentleman by the name of Dan Brandon learned in the UK. He was 31 and he was killed by his baby eight foot python called Tiny. <laughs> Tiny. And you see, this, is a, this particular type of python, it was a snake that lacked venom. So what it does is it encircles its animals by literally squeezing the life out of them. Be careful, we don't have people that as we get around and they squeeze the life out of us. Through. The other thing that um, pythons do is this, it's, or, or with this particular case was the, the medical examiner said this, I don't believe that the snake had been aggressive towards the owner, but most likely the scenario was that the reptile had been coiling around him in an affectionate way. Be careful who gets affections with you over December because what they could do is they could cause you to fall away from what God wants in your life. We don't want people squeezing the life out of us. We don't want people encircling us and trapping us. We should never get comfortable with snakes because they could always lead us far away from the purpose that God has for you and I. Work colleagues, family members, over December, it doesn't matter when, make sure that we are keeping our God up. Now, when I read the Bible, I question things. Not the truth of the Bible, why people are so silly. You laugh, but a snake comes up to Eve and says hi, and she doesn't run. Now, you see, for me, There's two, reasons, there's, there's two reasons I believe that my response would have been different to Eve. If a snake comes up to me and says, hi, do you know what I'm going to do? Run. Because a wise man sees trouble and he flees. If a snake comes up to me, it doesn't say hi and it just looks at me, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run because it's a snake. <laughs> and there's one, I believe there's two reasons for this. The first is this. You may not have noticed this, but I have this thing called melanin in my body. The people who are laughing are people who have melanin in their body because they see where this is going. <laughs> people who have more melanin, they don't like to play games with their life. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. That's why when you watch National Geographic Channel, it's Bear Grylls, not Rajesh. <laughs> We've had enough dangerous encounters. But the second reason is this, is I've read the Bible, and I've watched the National Geographic channel. And whenever a snake opens its mouth, something bad happens. And you might say, well, Chris, Eve didn't have Netflix or DSTV now. 
to watch the National Geographic channel, nor did she have the Bible because she was currently being written about in the Bible. I'll give you that, but what she did have was God's commandments. Take a look what it says in Genesis 1, as we read together on the screen. And God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have, sorry? Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Last time I checked, unfortunately, snakes are living things that move on the earth. But that word dominion is an interesting word. It means to rule over and live above. You see, when God gives Adam and Eve this commandment, what we need to understand is that God had purpose in mind for Adam before he created him. So God speaks about Adam first, then creates him, and then, and then conveys the commandment to him. Because as people, we were, we were created with purpose in mind. God didn't create you and then try to find a purpose for you. He had a purpose for you, and then he created you. And because Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, they were called to have dominion and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creeping thing that creeped on the ground. That is the ESV version of the Bible. You can read it, and trust me, that's what it says. Yet, in this scenario, when Eve began to speak to the snake, the thing that she was called to live above began to speak into her life. And how often do we as people, God's called us to live above what the world says, live above what society says, what social media says. We're called to live above all those things, yet we let people that live beneath us in, or live a different way to us determine how we should live our lives, how we should run our businesses, what our family should look like, and how we should do relationships. Instead, we should go back to God and His Word because He is the author of life, the creator of the universe, and He has given us dominion in the earth. Is this helping anyone? Point number three is this, is we need to choose your environment. You're like, well, Eve just had a garden to choose from. I don't understand. Like I said in the beginning, it wasn't a typical garden like you and I know. And Eve had an opportunity to choose their environment, just like we have an opportunity to choose our environment. Did you know that if you're not growing, chances are the environment you're in is stopping you from growing? It's a principle we can see in seeds. I'll give you two examples. There's something called a bonsai tree. Anybody seen it before? Little bonsai. Did you know that it uses the exact same seed as the fully grown tree, but because of the, plant that, that because of the pot that it's planted in, it restricts its growth? So often because of the environments we plant ourselves in, it restricts our growth and we can't grow and become all that God needs us to be. In the same way that if a seed doesn't grow, you don't change the seed. You plant it in different soil. And we have an opportunity, we have a responsibility to choose the soil that we plant ourselves in. Eve didn't do this properly. You see, like I said, it's not a small garden. There were rivers flowing through the garden, not campuses, actual rivers. <laughs> there was precious metal in the garden. There were animals in the garden. There were trees in the garden. There was fruit in the garden. There was a whole bunch of stuff in the garden, which means there was space. And Eve says to the serpent, when the serpent says, hey, listen, what did God say? She said, if I touch it, I might die. I'm clumsy. If there was a chance that if I touch something, I could die. Do you know what I would do? is I'd be as far away as possible from the thing that could kill me. Yeah. Yet how often do we behave like even we get as close as possible to the thing that could kill us? That's why boundaries are important in life. You see, a boundary doesn't just, it's not just for young people to apply in our lives. Boundaries we should apply in business and in our finances and in our family and in our relationship. And when you apply a boundary, what it does is it puts a barrier between you and sin. 
The only problem is so often we try to put our barrier as close to sin as possible. We should perhaps try to make our barrier as far away from sin as possible. And then in our lives say as far away from our barrier as possible. Because the closer you are to the barrier, the closer you are to sin. And just like Eve, her location determined her appetite. Because of where she was, it determined what she fed on. And in our lives, where we are can determine what we feed on. You notice that the enemy took her eyes off everything that God said she could have? When God said, don't eat of the one tree, it was not a restrictive commandment. It was a commandment of abundance. Because God said, you can eat of every other tree in the garden, including the tree of life. And yet the enemy said, let me take your focus off what God's given you and make it focus on what you don't have. And so often as we go through life, we look at, we forget all that God's done for us and we look at what we don't have. We look at what God's doing in someone else's life and we forget about what God's done in our life. We should never get to that point uh, or an environment. We should always say, you know what, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on what God has for my life. One of the environments that Eve found herself in was an environment of isolation. Do you know when she decided to eat the fruit, she asked no one? The enemy tempted her and she didn't say, hey, let me just go see what God says. Hey, let me just go check with my husband, Adam. It says she ate the fruit and then she gave it to her, her husband. And isolation is a very, very dangerous environment. In fact, do you know that isolation is the first thing that God says is bad in the Bible? Genesis 2 verse 18 said, the Lord said, it's not good that man should be. And all the single people said, I will make him a helper fit for him. This is not a verse for single people. It's a verse about isolation, actually. Because when God saw isolation, he said, it's not good. And in our lives, we get so comfortable in isolation, it's dangerous. In, instead, we should actually be in church over this December period particularly. Stay plugged in, stay serving, join a connect group, do whatever you do you need to do to get people around you, even if you're an introvert. It might be scary, but it pulls something out of you. And it helps you connect with people because God will bring people around you to help you. Yeah, I believe there's two reasons that the, the snake attacked Eve and not Adam. The first was he could isolate her, but the second is this, is that God gave the man the commandment. I got very quiet this morning when I said that. Let me explain. Genesis 2, 16 to 17 says this, and the Lord God commanded the, sorry? You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, eat of it, you shall surely die. Do you want to know why God told man or gave the commandment to the man? It's not because Eve was the weaker vessel. It's because he hadn't made her yet. And that wasn't by mistake, by the way. God didn't forget to make Eve. God was like, oh, man. You mean he, I just thought he'd dead like a lion or something and be okay. You've watched The Lion King. Lions are great. But instead, God gave Adam his purpose first. And once Adam had his purpose and lived out his purpose, he brought a partner next to him. We flip the script and we start chasing after a, par a, a partner and we forget about the purpose that God has for our lives. So because God told Adam the instruction, Adam, like a good husband, would have told his wife, hey, God said don't eat from this tree. And there's nothing wrong with that except this is that when she was challenged, why didn't she just go to God? 
You see, so often we settle for secondhand revelations instead of going to the source that is God. Don't settle for podcasts and other people's messages. Open the Bible, go straight to God and see what he'll do in your life because it will develop the convictions that we need. Point number two, four, four. We'll get through this, I promise. Point number four is this, look for God, not good. Look for God, not good. Notice when Eve sees the fruit in the tree, she says, man, that looks good for food. In fact, the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not just the tree of the knowledge of all the evil things in the world. Not Pandora's box, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm willing to bet that Eve was tempted by the good part of the tree, not the evil part of the tree. I used to judge Adam for um, caving into what Eve when Eve offered him the fruit until I got married. <laughs> Let me explain. Let's stand on this side again. I started trying to diet recently, eating healthier. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, everybody else, for noticing. Now, when I had first started, my wife was on a diet because she didn't need to diet as much as I did. No, Chris, you didn't need to diet. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Love me as you find me. So, I would be on a diet and my wife would be like, I already feel like chocolate, do you want some? Never say to your wife, get behind me, Satan, firstly, just... May not be married long, but I learned that lesson. But eventually, I'd cave in. Do you want to know why? Because I'd look at all the good parts of what was being offered, whether it was bread, fresh chia butter with butter on it. I'd look at the good part about how it made me feel and overlook the evil part in it. When it came to sugars and chocolates, I'd look at the good tasty part and overlook the evil part. When Eve approached the tree, she looked at the good part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the bad part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so often as we go through this thing called life, we can make the mistake of looking for good things instead of godly things. Because just because it's good, it doesn't make it godly. Just because it's a good cause, it doesn't make it a godly cause. Don't settle for good, because remember, as Christians, we're not called to be good. Anybody grateful for that? We sung about it. He loves us as he finds us. It's not about behavior. It's not about performance. It's about being godly. Because Christians are called to be godly, not good. Because when you're godly, you can become good, but when you're good, it doesn't mean that you become godly. So we need to make sure that we apply those principles in our lives. You ready for the next point? Point number five is this, don't cover up. Don't cover up. Like I said, when I read the Bible, I often judge some of the people in the Bible because they make some weird decisions. And Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit. The Bible says the eyes were open and they decide to cover their nakedness. From who? <laughs> it was just them and God. They'd seen each other naked before and God made them. God wasn't surprised like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> well, you see like an elephant was gonna see like what? What was the purpose of covering up? 
And I remember the story one of my friends told me, not me, I promise. When he was younger, his parents would give him tuck shop money. And this one particular Friday, he wanted to be a baller. But his mom didn't allow him to because of the amount of money she'd given him. So he was sitting and he was pondering and he noticed that his mom was cooking, his dad was at work and his brother and sister was in the room. I know this sounds suspic like suspiciously like me, I promise it's not. <laughs> and he began to quote scripture, you know, wherever your foot shall lay, that shall be yours. God, I'm gonna name it and claim it. And he named his mom's purse and he claimed some of the money that was in <laughs> his mom's purse. And he went to school that Friday and he was bawling. He bought everybody pies and Cokes and it was great. Till he got home and sitting and having dinner, and he's like, man, this has been the best Friday ever, nobody knows. <laughs> Until he was made aware of what had happened, and his dad said to him, hey, somebody took money out of your mom's purse, do you know who? He kind of just signaled to his brother, saying, yes, he's got a hand, Judas. <laughs> Christian joke if you don't get it. And when he heard that there was suspicion because somebody had known what had happened, he said, listen, I'm gonna go to bed. His family said, but his family movie night. Listen, I had a rough day with maths. Um, <laughs> multiplication, very complicated. I'm just gonna go to my room. And he went and he hid. You know what's interesting is the position of his parents didn't change. He decided to hide because of what he had done because he thought the sin had, had tainted him. He was scared of being caught out. Perhaps Adam and Eve, when they were hiding, what, when they were making loincloths, when they were hiding, they were not trying just to hide their nakedness. They were also trying to hide the sin that they were now aware of in their lives. And they did something so stupid, they hid from God. That's a game of hide and seek you're gonna lose. <laughs> Can you picture it? Like now they're naked, they've made the, the loincloths, and then they hear God coming in the garden, so they hide. And then God says, Adam and Eve, this is how you know God has a sense of humor. Where are you? <laughs> now you can see Adam and Eve, they're hiding, and like, you go, not you go. You know like how husbands and wives, they fight without saying anything? And then Eve says, listen, I'm not the one who made the loincloth two sizes too big. And she's like, hey God, we were hiding because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? Whew. And then God says, did you eat the fruit that I told you not to? I, the woman that you gave me, God, she just <laughs> loose, okay, talking to snakes, letting people slide into, I, and then God says to Eve, did you eat the fruit? And she goes, listen, that serpent, he slid into my DM. I don't know what happened. Next thing I know, here we are eating fruit. I didn't plan this. And despite hiding from God, trying to cover up themselves, it wasn't good enough because God still came down for them. And when he came for them and he saw the fig leaves that they sowed on here, he realized fig leaves aren't good enough. So in Genesis 3, 21, it says this, and the Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. This is very significant because this, the animal skin would have covered their sin, their guilt, and their shame. And it required a sacrifice to be made. So God would have sacrificed two animals, therefore performing the first sin offering on Adam and Eve's behalf. 
and he began to make a loincloth that covered their guilt, their sin, and their shame. It required sacrifice. But did you know that God not only did the first guilt offering, he did the last? Because the first one covered it up temporarily. The second guilt offering God offered was his son, Jesus, who like God came down to the mess of our lives, the brokenness of our lives, didn't require us to be good enough and so stuff together. He said, don't cover it up, homie. Don't try to be good enough, you'll never get there. I'm not looking for good, I'm looking for you. And when, God came, and when Jesus came down, he sacrificed his life not to cover up our sin, but so that our sins are covered forevermore because he is the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice so that we don't have to strive or try anymore. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.